Hello there. I hope you're well, wherever you are listening to this. Um, I've been doing some research because I'm new to this. This is the second episode of my first ever podcast. And I've been trying to work out what is the key to a successful podcast. And I think I've landed on it. I think the key is to have a catchy opening catchphrase line thing. An opening, an opening line. I think the key is an opening line. So I've spent some time coming up with some options. Um, and I'm wondering if you can tell me if if any of these might be a thing, if, if, you, want, if you want me to continue doing these as a thing. This is number one. Um, Cock-a-doodle-doo, all you empty chickens. It's time to rise and shine with staccato. That was number one. This is number two. Turn up the metaphorical radio, staccadopes, and put on your listening hats. I'm Dylan Winford, and I'm about to talk for a while. I'm trying staccadopes as, as the name of the fan base here at Staccato, which I'm aware is probably quite small on episode two. Finally, this is number three. You know what time it is. My mouth, your ears, one hour of pleasure, staccato, yeah. That one rolls off the tongue, I think. I feel like there's probably something there that will resonate with at least one visitor. My name is Dylan Winford, and this is Staccato, a musical theatre podcast dedicated to exploring the mystical world of the UK's new musical theatre scene. In this episode, I chat with Meg McGrady and Zoe Morris, writers of new musical The Phase. I was very excited to talk to them, and we had a lovely discussion about their writing process and all the things they've got up to this year. I hope you enjoy, and I'll speak to you later. Welcome to Staccato. There we go. I think we're going. Hello. Hi. Um, Hello. Hi. Lovely. So today on Staccato, we have with us Zoe Morris and Meg McGrady, the writers of The Phase, and just two of my most exciting up-and-coming writers working at the moment in musical theatre. So I'm so excited to talk to them today. Uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of things. How are you both? How are you doing? Doing very well. <laughs> Still full from Christmas dinner, I think. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, to note, it's the 29th of December, so we've all just finished Christmas. Uh, a very different Christmas, I'm... I'm sure we're all used to. Um, yeah. 2020 is still treating us poorly. But <laughs> well, it's, it's almost dead. The stake is in the heart and we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to hope that it dies uh, slowly and peacefully. Um, so I, I've mentioned that you two, the writers of The Phase, are a really exciting musical that's had a pretty amazing year, actually, considering um, you won the Styles and Drew Award earlier this year. I can't remember the name of it. They've changed the name. The the Wandering and... So it was... There, was, there was three different awards within it and we won the Vision, Voice and Potential. That's right. It's always, always difficult to remember even when I struggle. <laughs> I, I, I looked it up and I was like, I know I'm going to get this wrong. I should have written it down. And I didn't because I knew someone, someone would know it. Um, yeah, <laughs> but congratulations. That's amazing. Thanks. Uh, the song is wonderful as well uh broken guitar uh you can find that on the phases instagram and on most of your social media i assume 
to have a listen to. It's TikTok, it's really YouTube, all of it. That's it. It's it's everywhere. <laughs> Uh, and it's really it's really fantastic and a deserved winner and also you did a workshop in october is that right uh of the show yeah yeah, yeah. um a week before locked second lockdown okay <laughs> what good timing good timing all right yeah. <laughs> um yeah so that's that's a pretty spectacular year uh considering everything that's been going on um i was hoping you could tell me a little bit about your personal musical theatre journeys before we we dive into the phase and everything around that. So uh, let's start with Zoe. Zoe, where where did your 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 musical theatre journey begin? Um, what was it? That... Um, I guess I watched Joseph as a kid and only Joseph repeatedly for about five years <laughs> um, because my parents took me to see it and I generally believe that was the only musical that existed. I didn't understand musical theatre was its own thing. I just thought Joseph was this one show that existed. Um, so I loved that. And then I had a friend who um, got into musical theatre when we were about 10 and my mum just put me into audition, uh, an audition for like an amateur show and I just kind of started acting from there. Um, kind of wanted to go to drama school but got convinced to go to university instead um so did that and continued acting when I was there and then started liking directing um and then ended up going to Mountview to do my master's in theatre directing which is when I also found out about BML which is how I met Meg and started kind of writing and before that I'd only really written I'd written uh, so I did a science degree and I wrote songs to help me remember scientific terms on my guitar <laughs> um but not theater songs so i loved it since i don't know really long since i was really young mm. but i only really started writing when i was 20 21 um yeah and then i started writing with meg and that's how we are where we are today <laughs> oh it's it's always lovely to hear um people getting it in, into it later because i was the same um and also interesting to hear about the science stuff because I fell into music to uh, stop my stammer, and because I, I had I had a stammer when I was growing up and I struggled to emote properly, so music was my kind of way of doing that. And I, it, you find so many people have a similar story of using music to combat something, be that for revision or sharing their feelings things like that as, as a form of therapy so it's always nice to hear that um great meg where did it start for you i've had a i started really young um i'm very <laughs> lucky that um my older sister laura uh, got into theater like pretty kind of like probably like in her teens and we're like several years apart so she started going to like an acting school and i was like seven and i was like i want to go join it too um <laughs> so i started doing that and like doing that every weekend and then I think like the first time that I was like, oh, this is what I really want to do was um, when I was like 12, I got cast as Annie in an amateur production of Annie. Um, and that was kind of life changing because I was like, wow, they're treating me like a serious actor. This is, this is really <laughs> fun. I really love doing this. Like however many shows, like we did like four shows and I was just loved it. Um, and then after that, I did a lot of amateur theater. I did the classical musical theater training of like singing and uh, just doing just doing stuff until like high school and then on a whim I auditioned for the Brit school in London mm. um I was from Newcastle my parents are like I don't I don't think I even told my mom I was auditioning initially like <laughs> only my dad knew 
and then I got an audition and I had to tell her and be like hi so maybe I might get into this musical theater school slash like general art school that's like for sixth form um and I did end up getting in and I moved down to London when I was like eight or no I was 16 when I first moved um which was kind of scary just moving to a city where you literally knew no one and you're like 16 you're like mm. right but um it's around then that I properly started getting into the musical theater scene I think I joined MMD I started going to the open mic nights and meeting people like Charlie I think Neil was one of the first people I met um Neil Bastian and Charlie Eglinton I should say um and then I on a whim I was like 18 at the time I was like I'm just gonna this BML thing's just opened up maybe I'll get in maybe I won't you know they probably don't take people as young as me and then I got in um and that's where I met Zoe and kind of the rest is history of just discovering more news musical theater things hmm. and yeah lovely so um for for our listeners who don't quite understand what BML is um can you just explain that process because you're you're paired off with uh, writers and composers to work on something that, that's right isn't it if, if you could just explain that more um, yeah because it, it's yes. such an exciting program so um, book music and lyrics or BML is kind of the um, UK equivalent of BMI I believe it's called in the New York um, yeah, yeah. yeah but basically the process is the, there's like three years of it uh, first year you come in all as separate like you come in as a composer you come in as a lyricist and for the 10 weeks, like the 10 projects, you get paired off with a different composer lyricist every single time. And you get specific songs that you need to write and you learn about the structure of musicals. Hmm. Uh, second year, you work with one person on an entire show. Um, we ended up doing our Rosalind Franklin show for that. Um, and then third year is kind of like more advanced year is just stay as long as you want, bring stuff, we'll critique it. And basically, I should explain the critiquing process is you bring in a song and lyrics you sit down, everyone listens to it. They're nice for a bit, and then they tear it to shreds. Um, <laughs> oh, it sounds like the real world. So that, that's. <laughs> Were you paired together initially? Was that like the yeah. first pairing, and you just stayed? That's amazing. That, that's. I'm still not sure why. I don't know if it's because we were both a lot younger than everyone else in the group, or if yeah. it's just because our surnames are very are in the alphabet next to each other. <laughs> um, but either way, we got paired on a song. Um, which actually ended up being in the phase for a bit and then we've cut it and um, yeah and then just we're like let's stay literally after the first time we started writing together we're like let's just stay together let's just keep this going um, but yeah, obviously think... then had to work with everyone else for the rest of the year which was a great experience because you get to learn how other people work but I think at the end we were still like Megan's oh, the one, the one. <laughs> like... uh, absolutely and I, I, I wanted to talk to you both about um writing as a duo and because I, I I mostly write on my own um and I've I've always wondered how other kind of writing duos have that dynamic because there's so many famous ones stars and drew um and I just wondered how that how that works for you because Meg you are the composer and Zoe mm -hmm. is the the lyricist but I understand that it's it's never that simple, is it? There's always overlap, and I was just wondering how that works for you. Yeah, I guess I guess a little in a little bit of way we're both, particularly on the phase, we're both a little bit lyricists because there's definitely some songs which I've taken more of a lead in lyrics-wise, but then <laughs> it's very much a half and half process still. I think. Um, yeah. 
it's mostly we mostly what will happen is Zoe will either will come up with a song idea, Zoe will sit down and methodically work out the lyrics and then hand them to me and then we can do a bit of back and forth from there or I get really excited and write lyrics for a song and a tune and I'm like hey this is like half a song do you want to finish it is it terrible should I throw it out (laughs) Um, but I think the reason we work so well together is I think we just are really good at communicating with each other and just being like hey this might be terrible does this work and then we can give the honest feedback and I think I I know whenever I give lyrics to Zoe she would always tell me if they were terrible or if I handed her music and I was like this is it she'll be like "Mm, this doesn't work for the song we need to get rid of this and start again I'd be like cool I trust you but sometimes it's like I think I can't remember which song it I should know which song it was oh and you handed me this music and I was like it's beautiful but it needs to be in like a different like a major key or something and then we just literally mm-hmm. changed that and I was like yep done and I was so proud because I have done music and I did music theory and everything when I was in GCSE and all that but um I get really proud when I can do a musical comment nowhere because <laughs> <laughs> although I do write my own stuff I don't I can't do um I don't really write instrumentation or anything mm-hmm. like that in no, I, I I'm the same. I'll, I'll usually I like to trust someone else to do that just in case because I was never uh, I was never classically trained as a musician. It's something I came into very late. So I found as I've gotten older and done more stuff that it's so important to trust someone else to do something. With my first show, I very stupidly said i'll do everything i'll be in it and i'll do the music and i'll i'll write all the script and stuff and i had a very very big breakdown throughout and i, I think it's so important to be able, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's important to have someone else <laughs> i was gonna say i think meg has um their strengths where my biggest weaknesses are so it's quite a good balance because we and have yeah. strengths in areas which means- yeah gonna say for the record i am not i've like got classical training and singing i failed my grade two piano that's my secret <laughs> that's that's the secret that's gonna be I'm everywhere now a terrible musician i'm just making <laughs> it, it i think one of the things that I, i've been trying to uh push with this is because i'm hoping that this podcast is for uh writers who are starting out and trying to trying to trying to find their feet whilst writing things Uh, and I always want to say you don't need to have that always um but you definitely need someone around that can can help like mold it for you I yeah it's important to not feel pressure to have all of that and know how to do sheet music and it's skills you will need but when you're starting off have an idea and and run with it you know I, I think you'll you'll learn on the job or you'll find things like bml or there's there's many courses that you can join us as you do these things i was gonna say it's just okay to be like hey this isn't my thing guess what i can get an orchestrator and i'm all for like sharing the burden of a musical and being like Absolutely. hey this isn't my strength let's get an orchestrator in let's get an arranger in they can do take my ideas and bring them even more to life absolutely i i think that's a brilliant way of, of looking at it um so the phase the phase was first originated at BML, is that right? Um, I mean, we were we were at BML, but it wasn't to do with BML. I think Meg just had this idea and came up to me and was like, should we do this? And I think the um, it was September, idea was, it was yeah. September, right? I came up uh, to you because I had this idea that was, <laughs> yeah. So it was very, very loosely based off, um, I went to high school, I was in a band and 
it so happened that most of the people in that band were queer hmm. and it was just our, like our little safe space and I was like I don't have a plot I don't have anything else I just have this idea of a band that's almost all queer in a, an all Catholic girls school can we make a plot with it <laughs> yeah um, it was kind of like just an idea and we wanted to do it for fun so the fact that everything's happened with it it's still kind of like what <laughs> what's going on but, i mean the the way you've just pitched it there uh, it's it's so this is this is a horrible corporate word it's so sellable and <laughs> it and and it's also it sounds so personal as well and there's something just so wonderful about that and um yeah if you guys could just tell us a little bit about the phase and, and the story of it. You've, you've summed it up really well, but I, I thought I'd let you continue. <laughs> the phase is about our main character, Rowan, um, who is, I guess, 24, 25, um, and is trans non-binary, um, and is looking back at their time at school, well, secondary school, high school, hmm. um, where, again, there were these four teenagers all in a band together. Um, and their band gets, told that they, they, they get asked to play at a school concert and they play a song which is in, in the eyes of the school inappropriate because it's advertising lifestyle choices um, that aren't in line with the ethos of the school because it's um, this Catholic school in the north um, who are you know, not too fond with all the LGBT messages that are going on. Um, so their band gets told they're not allowed to play anymore, they're not allowed to rehearse anymore. Um, so the story is kind of them trying to come to terms with that, but also deciding whether to fight against that um, and see if they can still play as a group and if they can change the school's policy. Um, but I w what I will say is that each of the four characters, it was 12 characters, so we've narrowed it down a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> a big strange. band. That's a very big band. <laughs> yeah, it, there were a couple of teachers and other characters in there. Yeah. There was nine people in the band, but... Um, mm. We've narrowed it down because we want each character to have their own storyline and their yeah. own story and each be like a fully fledged character that a different person will identify with a different one. Um, so we have characters going through struggles at home, characters going through mental health issues with all the pressure that's on at school, uh, two characters in a first queer relationship. So there's kind of a lot in there that we've kind of tried to <laughs> shove in a very short amount of time. <laughs> It, it sounds amazing and uh, I from what I've seen I've loved um the the first well I we we met at um Adam Lanson's Signal and I saw a few things there um the thing that I really fell in love with was uh, sex talk which yeah. uh you did for your your beam presentation the song they presented was as uncle sex talk so sex talk is uh, a little glimpse into the sex education classes here within the UK um, and it really resonated with me because I can I can remember my sex ed classes quite vividly as a child and this horrible horrible conversation with our head teacher talking about masturbation and and the health benefits of it and and looking back it was it was very very strange um, yeah that 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 song really really resonated with me and I'm, I'm sure so many people could can take from it it's also gorgeous as well the harmonies in it are beautiful and, and yeah uh i was i was very impressed i was blown away with it um i will say a lot of that wasn't i mean we we had to write that we were applying for BYMP, um 
hadn't written anything of the phase yet and had to mm. write three songs, I think, for this presentation. Two weeks. We got to the final. Yeah, yeah, we had two weeks to write three songs. Got to the final of this thing and we're like, oh, now we actually have to write these three songs that we proposed that we will write. Um, so I was sat in my mum's living room <laughs> on like break from university, just like trying to write this song about sex talk so I just um I reached out to loads of friends I reached out on Facebook groups and just asked them for their experiences so a lot a couple of the lines that are in there are either not quite direct quotes but they're things that different people have like given me to put in there which I really like because it feels like a lot of people's experiences yeah I, I (laughs) (laughs) I think that's brilliant and I think that that really shows in that song that you've done that because I, I think I could show that to uh, so many people of our age who would who would resonate with at least like three lyrics of that song and yeah I yeah I, I wanted to talk to you both about essentially representation your lead character in the show is a trans non-binary person and you you two whenever I've met you or I've seen you have been such advocates for the representation of trans and non-binary people within the arts and the industry which is incredible and and I I just wanted to talk to you both about that and how here in the UK our industry needs to change and and start applying that to everything and and what can be done going forward and advice to writers doing that i mean i could talk about this for days um just to clarify as well i am uh non-binary i use they them pronouns um and yeah this is an issue really close to my heart because when i was training at the Ritz school i didn't think i could come out because i didn't think that i couldn't see any trans people being cast in roles i didn't see any even non-binary people playing like parts that are in line with the birth gender they were given i i just felt like there was no hope in a way and then Thankfully, I went to like Trans Voices Cabaret in London started and I started feeling like this awareness and building this beautiful trans friendship group and of all these amazing, incredible actors. Um, And I got really mad because there was no roles for them. (laughs) Um, And I, no roles for me, no roles. And I I said to Zoe pretty early on, I was like, I really want the lead character to be non-binary or to like have trans characters within this show. and I think pretty much from the start, we've tried to cast mostly, if we can, every single time we prioritize giving queer actors the roles and giving um, trans people the roles. I think in our first workshop, we ended up having, we couldn't find someone to play Rowan. So I stepped in to play Rowan because I was like, I want this to be authentically cast, like that person to be able to tell their story. Hmm. And yeah, and I, and I'm, you know, it's, it's really still an issue here in the UK because like just before lockdown, I was having meetings with Celador about their casting of um, Bring It On. There is a trans role in that. And they gave it to a cis person, a cis man playing a trans woman. And the exact same happened with Breakfast on Pluto. Yeah. And it's, they got away with it because of lockdown, but <clears throat> it's an issue that still really annoys me. Yeah. Well, I mean, Celadora, uh, <laughs> they've had their fair share of, of problems with their, their casting and representation within their shows. Um, I, th- I think it's so brilliant what you're doing and what advice would you have to writers going forward on how they can incorporate better representation into their shows? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that because I think 
obviously we need to have more writers who are trans and non-binary at the forefront but i think that there's i'm losing my point sorry everyone (laughs) (laughs) how can other writers go forward thinking about that and putting it into their work or supporting those actors and, and and making them feel comfortable with the script that they're talking through without it feeling put in for the sake of it. I think the best way is one, there are trans musical theatre writers. If you've got a project that's really trans specific, get one mm. of them in. Yeah. I'm working on a trans song cycle with a bunch of them right now. It's wonderful. They're all amazingly talented, stupidly talented. Um, so working with trans writers, elevating trans talent, um, if you are writing a script and you yourself aren't trans but want to include a trans character, there are trans consultants. Go to TVC. Yeah. Uh, go to that's Trans Voices Company. Go to other like other tra- trans organisations. They will have people that will. If you pay a little bit of money, well, they'll talk to you. You can probably and like pay them for that time, please, because our drama is just not ours. Just to give out. Yeah, absolutely, views. absolutely. Um, I, I was just gonna say, as someone who isn't trans. Mm-hmm. It's not hot, as in trans people are people. And if you want to put representation in, anyone who you're putting in a box that you're trying to put into the show, whether or not it's a person of color, that's a trans person, that's a queer person, they're people. So they're not that hard. They're, everyone has the same fundamental emotions. Everyone has the same fundamental feelings and reactions. They're just as relatable as anyone who doesn't fit in those categories. So as a writer, it's not, you're just writing people no matter who you're writing. And having those consultants in is really useful. But as a writer who's not necessarily in that book, you shouldn't think that it is some big daunting task. It's just like writing anyone else. Just make sure you take into account that they will have a different experience. But their emotions and their thoughts and their feelings aren't going to be hugely different because everyone has the everyone's the same, really, in a long way. Um, well, can I just clarify my last point quickly? <laughs> you can absolutely clarify your last point. <laughs> I just want to say, as much as it's not a daunting task, you should still get in consultants and people who have the experiences that you are writing about. Um, yeah. That I think that's really important. I agree. And <laughs> I I know a lot of a lot of composers and writers will turn around and say, uh, I don't have the funds to do that in my workshop. There's grants. There's there's always grants available. Uh, the Arts Council has some fantastic ones. And if you just if you just Google things, you will find something for the specific thing you are looking for. Um, it, it is it is hard, but th- that's that's what we have to do. And there's so many people who would be, gladly support you uh, in doing things like that. Um, and there's plenty of companies as well that are willing to like that know people that have the capacity like i said yeah. tvc i run a company queerly productions which is all about highlighting queer and trans talents like mm. there are companies out there who have both the actors and the people and know everyone who can recommend people to you as well yeah absolutely it there, there's a vast we're not i think the musical theater scene in 2020 is huge there there was i think an explosion of talent over kind of 2017 
it's but it's always been there but it's now coming to the forefront and these composers are coming forward and saying it's time to tell my story and it's time to change for the face of of musical theatre and that's why I wanted to start this podcast to highlight those people and and talk about it more and inspire other younger composers and writers to do the same and Mm -hmm. you're both excellent um examples of that I was just gonna say as well it's scary how many like new and -and up-and-coming composers there are like you just go on TikTok there's the Ivano crew crazy Mm. they're all like 16 and they've already written a, a Broadway produced cast album the talent is insane and it's, it's there and it's, it just needs to be highlighted. Yeah, people like Adam Manson doing Signal and stuff like that as well who have put the effort into highlighting and allowing that. I think a lot of young writers, um, a lot of young writers don't know how to get from just writing their free time to actually getting their shows on stage. And I think having people like Adam who have given that kind of platform for those steps and there's quite a few out there that's just (laughs) one example but um Mm -hmm. it's just amazing because it just gives that gateway into the real the professional theater world which i think is was so sorely needed and is still needed that's how we got started i mean we our first song that we showed was the the sex talk and all that scratch adam lenson when we did signal that was the first time i'd ever wrote for a band before yeah i'd never had that chance and opportunity and i learned so much from it that when i came back to do a second one i was like i know what i'm doing now yeah and like it just, feel just like, trusting yeah. writers it's insane what they can do once you give them a little trust and a little bit of support uh, and that's yeah, what all, that, all, about. all that scratch is another one to shout out because we did that our first ever public performance of anything mm. um which was sex talk and i think we use mist well we did miss yes which is no longer yeah (laughs) but we did those two songs at all that scratch i don't we just so lucky to have been picked to do it we just applied because we saw it come up um, and out of that we got to meet kate and james who are producers that we're now working with Mm. um so those literally just one performance of one song and on a podcast and that was how we got started so these things are so important yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, uh, about two minutes ago, I said about this explosion of of new writers coming forward. And I think part of that is because we have people like Adam Lanson and All That Scratch, who both of my pieces uh, that have that have gone kind of into production have been through those. Like uh, The Throwaways was on All That Scratch and Adam has, has supported me through so much. And there's people like that who are trusting new writers and putting their their work forward and you know adam has essentially dedicated his life to supporting and funding and finding new talent which is incredible and and more of those people uh, are coming forward which is which is great um hooray this has just turned into the adam lanson appreciation <laughs> yeah. all a part of his wonderful new musical theater church yeah exactly um so your recent workshop uh, was in October. How how was that? How how have you felt that went? It yeah, was good. I mean... It was it was the strangest experience ever because we were never in the rehearsal room at the same time. Because the way it fell with our actors and our directors, I, it was the first week of uni for me. Mm. Um, so I was yeah, basically. And, the... and what was it for you again? Yeah, my first week of exams at uni. <laughs> 
we wow. were basically like <laughs> jumping back and forth. We were never in the room at the same time. We had a wonderful, by that point, we've, we've now got a wonderful creative team that we just trust wholly that we were just like, here is yeah. our baby. We trust you to do good with it. And it did turn out good in the end. I think it's the first time we've ever been able to just say, here's our writing and let people do with it. Cause previously Meg had done a lot of the MD work or like teaching the actors how to sing, for, mm. well, like, how to sing, how to sing the songs. Obviously they know how to sing. Um, and I've been directing and doing character work with them. Um, and then, now we have MDs and orchestrators and an amazing director, Martha in. And it just meant we could just give them a writing, which was like slightly scary, but also so lovely to just take that step back and see what other people would do with it. Mm. Um, yeah, although it was, yeah, during COVID, obviously. So there was social distance workshops were kind of, weirdly brilliant I mean, everyone's staying two meters apart and our producers making sure that everything was really <laughs> safe and we were like we're back in our rehearsal room and they're like no stay away from each other <laughs> how, how, how do you feel that's affected the growth of the show were there things that you found because because of this that you wouldn't have necessarily found if you weren't working under covid regulations I mean, I think COVID in general has probably affected the show. Like we were meant to have this workshop originally in April and mm. we definitely weren't ready for it. We had not done <laughs> enough right to be ready for it. So the fact it got pushed back like several months and I, we had the Styles and Drew Award and we had all of that happen beforehand, I think it gave us a lot of confidence and time to reflect on our writing and make the changes we needed to, to make the show what it is now. Because it has changed so much from like our first workshop in yeah. last year in, when was it? July? Yeah. Add exams then too. <laughs> I don't think we've ever done a workshop without, without me being some Yeah. <laughs> Meg being insanely busy. <laughs> yeah, because the first the first workshop we did was insane. We did it was like I said, there was like twelve cast members. It was just me and Zoe organizing it. Um we had a, a month to write the show and um star yeah. in it. And what yeah. else the, oh I was in I was doing my A levels, I was in a show at the Southwark Playhouse and doing rehearsals for this show. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, I was, yeah. that's another <laughs> level of you still have a death wish when you're doing these. <laughs> um what what draft would you say this last workshop the the show is out uh, was at? The, was it was it oh, the yeah. full show or um it was so we do have a draft of the full show that's about to be changed dramatically. Hmm. Um but it was I think what 30 to 40 minutes of the show so I had mm -hmm. to do a new draft of like highlights um, which Martha our director dramaturg is amazing and helped loads with um, so yeah so I think we do have a full draft of the show and it's definitely not one I would ever want to see performed <laughs> <laughs> because it's such an old draft now but um, yeah so I'm a lot of the stuff that Martha worked on and the workshop did for us and with us is actually going to like I wrote stuff specifically for that workshop that I think yeah. is actually stay um, in the next hopefully soon to be final draft eventually yeah like one there's like one full draft and maybe like seven mini drafts i feel like yeah and then just random scenes random bits of songs that we've written that and don't have a, a place and yeah i, I think yeah. I... we have a full a full a full like 10 10 songs in a folder that just says goodbye songs <laughs> <laughs> And some of them were like were some of my favorite songs, and we just had to cut them. But like, so we cut a character who we had a character Tori who was in our you know, list of twelve, um, who had a very full character arc, 
and so had their own songs and everything and we've had to cut her which I was very sad about and then we've given some of the we've kind of merged Tori into other characters but some of the stuff that was purely Tori is just in this bin and it's really heartbreaking <laughs> I think that was the hardest thing it was the cut because I love her um, yeah, I, I think again, that's it, it being our first song as well. Like, Miss was mm. our first that's song we wrote for her, and it was in the bin. Oh, that is heartbreaking. I stuff like that. It, it is very hard, but I think you look back and go, "Yeah, that was the right decision." I think what I'm trying to get at with talking to you about drafts and so on was pushing to writers. I think a lot of uh, younger writers or new writers will go, "Well, if I'm going into workshop, then I need to have." The entire thing like it needs to be a draft where everything's in its place that's just not the case at all with with your workshops you know things things will disappear or appear or there'll be things that you loved and then you'll hear an actor say them and you'll go oh i know that doesn't work at all and mm-hmm. I, I i just want to emphasize how important it is that when you go into these workshops you it doesn't need to be finished piece at all did did you have an audience for did did you have like a showing at the end of the 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 yeah we had um it was like a mostly fringe venues and a couple of friends all like socially distanced in this like it it was um (laughs) yeah it was each seat was two meters apart like about two meters around it obviously for distancing so it was very like everyone sat very on their own and then (laughs) big gap so i think it was only i want to say 20 ish people yeah yeah, um, and then we had a someone in to film it as well, just because for our records. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's that's the nice that twenty and like, and and did it go down well? Were you were you happy with with how it was received? So I wasn't there because <laughs> I, <laughs> I was I was in classes. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I was crying at the back. I had a little good little cry. That's all that matters. I, I think it's really interesting as well because it's the first time we've heard some of the songs of a full band as well. Like, mm. it's a sh- show that we've written for a band and it's like, oh, there's a band playing the songs. Oh, and like, there's something as well about certain harmonies when they would hit, it'd be like, oh, this is so much better than just five Meg singing it on the demo track. <laughs> oh, I am sick of my voice. I, I This last year, <laughs> I've been doing demos for one of my shows and there'll be it'll be like a nine part harmony and it'll just be me and i i, I don't want to i don't want to listen to my voice ever again um I, that must be Amazing. such <laughs> that must be such a wonderful thing to take a step back and watch from an audience it i i i'm very envious because i've never i've never done that because i'm an idiot and i always go i'll play guitar why not um it's it, oh, it the most magical be... thing when you yeah. take a step back i think because the first workshop we did i was playing the main character and i was mm. in it the whole time being like acting 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 like half robotic being like that is a terrible line we should change that but i need to stay in the moment and act yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just being like self, super self-critical in my head and being like i need to perform mm. also when you mess up your own songs there's no one else to blame but you <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Exactly. I can't be like, damn you, actor. It's like, (laughs) That's all on me. (laughs) Been wonderful guests. Thank you so much for coming on. My kind of final question to you is, and it's the biggest question of all time, so take your time. What makes a good musical? What what does a musical... What does it, what does a musical need to be 
in 2021 and going forward to be good. This is going to sound really weird because I love weird musicals. I love musicals that are kind of suspend belief in reality. Um, but I'm going to say grounded in reality. <laughs> but I mean, like, within some kind of experience that's relatable. Mm. So even if that does mean that all your characters are, I don't know, aliens and in a completely different reality, I think something that they're feeling or doing has to be relatable to the people that are watching because otherwise we won't feel anything. <laughs> that's going to be my answer. I think that's a brilliant that's answer. answer Short and concise as well. Fantastic. <sighs> Meg. Oh god, I'm just like, I'm just going through my favourite musicals, like, what do they all have in common? What do they all... The answer is just Dave Malloy, but... Yeah, as I say, my favourite musicals have very... I, I like a good dark musical. I'm a big fan of, like, Next to Normal, Spring Awakening, that kind of mm. thing. I'm also obsessed with, like, Hamilton, just because I think it's so... The words and everything are so clever. So I think... Yeah, I don't, I don't think all the musicals that I like necessarily have things in common. I think... I think you just have to stay stay true to your style or like stay true to your concept. Like if someone tells you that a rap musical about the founding fathers <laughs> is weird, don't listen to them. If you know, if <laughs> if it's a musical that you're like, this is a section of war and peace, but it happens to be changing genres from like classical to like a rave night. Cool, stick with that concept. Like or like just one more because I love Dave Malloy again. Like a chamber choir musical about the internet. Do it. It's so good. Someone out there will absolutely love it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I the thing that I've someone said this to me a long time a long time ago, and it's always really resonated with me. And I've always made sure that when I'm writing, I keep it in mind because I ask them what what kind of musicals do you like and they said to me uh i like musicals where the music is something that i can put on on my way to work and just mm. listen to and get lost in and you know you, your music is a fantastic example of that and that's something that i i love having that way where a musical can be its thing on the stage but when you're on the bus home from work it's a completely different thing and it's still wonderful and that's the beauty of Hamilton is that you can listen to it anywhere and you can watch the show and it's fantastic but it's a, a different entity great lovely thank you so much for coming on uh, I've had a wonderful time talking to you and I cannot wait to see where you guys are going in 21 in 21 in 2021 <laughs> um I, I i've i've just got such such good vibes about the both of you um oh. is there is there anything you'd like to plug before before um, we finish i guess the social medias as well so i'm at meg mcgrady on everything you should follow the phase on everything the phase musical we're on instagram mm. tiktok uh twitter all of those places follow our tiktok our tiktok's actually pretty decent yeah. meg is a boss <laughs> at our tiktok <laughs> I think I've done one video. Meg's done about, I don't even know how many. Two hundred. Yeah. <laughs> sense of dignity. <laughs> and where can we find you, Zoe? Yeah. Um, I think I <laughs> check what my socials are. Obviously, all the phase ones. I think I'm. My Instagram's probably not worth following. It's at Zoe Bell, Bell Hunter. Um, I think I'm just at Zoe Morris on Twitter. 
pretty sure. Um, no, but I would say follow. I'm not very good on social media for like me, so I would just follow the famous one. <laughs> well, there you <laughs> the worst self promotion I could have done, isn't it? Like, <laughs> I'm not very good, so maybe don't follow me. <laughs> Wait, but the famous one's great. Yeah, <laughs> I'm at Zoe L Morris. They go on Twitter, um, which is a theatre Twitter. So I do, I do tweet it. Wonderful. My so just pretty photos of places I've been, which hasn't been updated <laughs> in a year because I haven't been anywhere. That sounds pretty nice. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty nice, nice yeah. to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> wonderful. Is there is there any any music or anything that you've been watching or listening to at the moment that you want to plug and tell everyone is really good? so many things uh <laughs> pick one you can have one actually which is a recommendation that meg gave me about islander um was great i i'm working on another project that is relevant to and that is about all the information I can probably give. but um uh-huh. was really lovely i listened to that on spotify um and i will always plug um ryan scott oliver's music um i'm obsessed with the musical darling i have been obsessed with it since I think first year of five years ago when I found it. Yeah, and I showed it to Matt. We're just like, (laughs) it's beautiful and dark and gorgeous. And is the reason I met Adam Lenson. So (laughs) very important. Brilliant. And you, Meg? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend um I mean I've mostly been listening to In the Green, but um I want to recommend Willow, a new musical, which is by the Ivana crew, like the sixteen year olds, because it's a lesbian musical. Set in like this cottage court esque universe, and if that doesn't sell you, I don't know what will. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, thank you guys so much. I don't know about you, but I was very inspired with that conversation with Zoe and Meg. They're a fine example of the hundreds of writers out there in the UK who are juggling full time jobs or university with their career as a writer. They're putting on intensive workshops whilst doing other things during a global pandemic. It's made me really take stock. If you'd like to get in touch with Meg's company, Queerly Production, you can follow them on Instagram at Queerly Prod. They're a theatre company dedicated to creating musical theatre work both by and for trans folk and queer women. And as mentioned before, you can follow along with the development of The Phase at The Phase Musical on all major social media outputs. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, please tell a friend about it. Share it on your social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Staccato Podcast. And if you'd like to get in touch, please email me at staccatopodcast at gmail.com. Until then, my name's Dylan Winford, and this has been Staccato. <laughs>